If it be, exactly, because the verb's pretty good. It's incessant, it's been going on a long time. But it doesn't matter, it doesn't produce a noun. It's just verbing. It has its, it's confined by its own limitations. It can't be what it thinks it is. Yeah? It can't be what it infers or assumes or implies. It can't be when it historically remembers you. It can't be when it futuristically remembers you. You can't be that which is being remembered, because you are. Yeah? To be something, for something that isn't so, it must be remembered. Yeah? So, to me, let's say three weeks ago isn't so at this moment. Yeah? It's an idea, but it has to be remembered. If you remember it, then it can be, it can be a, a, a part of what's happening right now. Yeah? You can have a, a thought or a memory or a feeling even that you, that you imply had to do with three weeks ago. Yeah? But it has to, it's a mental process. It doesn't come up in and of itself. It doesn't have any inherent existence. It has to be conjured up by the mind. Yeah? You have to remember it. So all these things that remembering and then forgetting and then remembering and forgetting, we don't realize that we're remembered. Yeah? That the feeling of me is remembered. It's a, it's a habit. It's a vague sense now because it's been, it's been remembered so much the remembering doesn't even have to be, it can be quite a little bit, but it still triggers the vague sense of being Paul. Yeah? So when you think about you in the past, you're pictured as a body, obviously, because the thought system doesn't see you as anything but a body. Yeah? You can't think of yourself as a spirit, obviously. I mean, what would you do? I'm a fat spirit. I'm looking really good as a spirit today. You know what I mean? I'm a very fashionable spirit. I'm a cool spirit. You know, you can't imply, you can't put any kind of identification on the idea of a spirit because it's no thingness. There's no, whatever conceptual like tack you want to put in it, there's no thing to put in. Yeah? But the mind can really riff on the body because it's a form. You know, it's an object. So we can tack on tons of things to it. It's me, is one of them. Then it's, it was me, and it's gonna be me. (laughs) And based on those things, it just riffs on those ideas. So when it remembers the past, it's remembering me now. When it remembers the, the pet, me in the future, which is a remembrance. When you think about the future, you're remembering you. Remembering isn't just in the past, yeah? You're remembering you when your mind's thinking about you in the future, because it's pictured as a body somehow, yeah? Or you wouldn't have anything to fixate on. The thoughts wouldn't have any place to land if there wasn't the fixed object of the body to think about. So what happens is, you're not here now as what the mind projects you to be, so it has to be remembered here. To, to appear to be so. Yeah? It's not here now, inherently. It's not here now. There's not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's an idea. There's a body, let's say. Let's give it that. There's a body appearing, but the body implies that there's a long-lasting, independent, separate entity that's been appearing as a body from the beginning, and then it's going to appear till the end, and it's going to come to an end, and it's going to die... And then maybe what you really are, a soul will leave and then you'll go and find another body. Yeah? But it's just a story, in a way. So when you're here, there's no need for that me. Yeah? Because 
that what's actually, what life is, is consciousness in contact. It's not you in contact. It's consciousness in contact. Consciousness is flooding through five gates or six gates, you know, the senses, and then the mind is seen as a gate, yeah, or another sense. If you look into Buddhism, the mind is like a sixth sense. It sees thoughts, or it basically hears thoughts, you know. Seeing is all those things, hearing, feeling, everything, yeah, but it, it basically hears thoughts, so the consciousness is having an experience through these gates. Yeah? So I become aware of something by smelling it, seeing it, feeling it, tasting it, touching it, and thinking, you know, and thoughts about it. And there can be combinations. Sometimes an experience has feeling, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching all at once. Sometimes you'll see a bush, it's only seeing, yeah? Then you get closer, you start smelling its fragrance, so now you have seeing and smelling. Then you get closer and you can touch the bush, now you're feeling it, taste, you're smelling it and seeing it, yeah? So your experiences get added and subtracted at different gates. You know, a full-blown experience, they would call like a full-spectrum experience, is when you're totally absorbed in just the consciousness of what's happening. Not even acknowledging the gate or the uh, the facility that's allowing that experience, like seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, your your mind gets blown into just sensing consciousness, yeah? That's what you would call, a lot of people I would say would call a peak experience. They have an experience of what's actually going on, they didn't have it, but there's an event of what's actually going on with no uh, additions and subtractions, it's just consciousness experiencing itself through other things, you know, by seeing them, feeling and tasting, touching, you know? So we have all this combination going on, and there's really no need for you. The idea of you is like an organizing principle the mental process uses to make sense of something that's a mystery. It can't make sense of this place, yeah? Because its, its faculties can't get it. Our lot, the way our mind is, is formed in self-centeredness, we can't grok it or understand what's happening here. So what we do is we think we know what's happening. So we make up a story based on incredible assumptions, like the idea of being that you're out of the moment and that you need to get connected to your own life. Give me a fucking break. Without <laughs> you are the connection of the life. You know what I mean? Life's not happening here unless it's happening as you through what you call you. <laughs> but there's a sense that I'm not in the moment, that i got to get into the moment, which has been conditioned into us. You didn't have that when you were a kid. There's not one day you were having like a, a existential angst when you were three years old playing, I'm sure. You know, you may have, if you were in an abusive situation, maybe these other shit was going on, but I wasn't when I was growing up, and there was no, I wasn't looking to how better connect to things, because there was no idea I could be disconnected from things. It was just going on, you know? It was clean and, and uh, virgin in a way, and raw, and there was a certain brightness to life that I, I saw dim down when I hit about four or five. I really did. I, the basic backdrop was m much more well-lit when I was a kid, and then when I started seeing the differences more than the similarities of things, then the light got uh, partitioned out, you know? Some things got a lot of light, and then other things got no light, you know? My interest and attention started to get tunnel vision by self-centeredness. 
And I, instead of having a broad lens and picking up all the light that there is, manifesting and doing its dance, I was now looking at things, yeah? And the things became so dominant, they could block me from the light. I couldn't, I wouldn't get the whole light of everything because I was obsessed with things, this thing and mental thoughts of things and, you know? So my, my mind got almost indoctrinated into a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. And I would say it fell into an illusion about the system because the system presents an idea of being you. Yeah? So then that great question or mystery is solved. And the mind has a drive to know. It really does. Even if it's wrong, it gets a a sort of sense of security in knowing, you know? You can see people who are really, really, their, their belief system may be really screwed, but they get something out of believing so fervently, let's say that's, you know, some politicians and Muslim socialists or something when, you know, obviously he's not a Muslim socialist, but there's there's a driving, it gives a sense of, yeah, I'm right, you know, I know know it, fuck the facts. So this whole idea that there's a system of thought and interpretation that isn't you, that is a part of this multidimensional expression that you may call you, being and manifesting and existence, whatever you want to call it, I would say it's more of a verb. And so if you really wanted to capture who you were, it would be more what you are. And that is that it's a verb, that there's just a stream of awareness. It's not awareness and then objects that the awareness becomes aware of. It's objects appearing in awareness, awareness seeing the appearances, but also being the context so therefore, in one sense, there's only one thing going on, which is no thing. There's just awareness. Awareness, you can see it sometimes. If you see, a, uh, you can see what happens when water evaporates. Water evaporates somewhat, then a mist occurs, then it gets really stringy, and then it disappears, similarly, yeah? So in manifestation, things can seem to move from no form to almost a form. But they're all appearances. There's nothing called mist. It's appearing, yeah? It's water, and it's but it's appearing in a different form, in a sense, yeah? But the essence of it is is hard to sort of capture because it's you think the one form you're used to, which is water, is appearing in all these other forms, but that's also an appearance. The water is an appearance, yeah? So it's not like water is, by, by getting affected by circumstances and situations, it changes its appearance. It turns into mist and fog and vapor and then it dissipates. Yeah? But I would say the water is also an appearance. Yeah? All it is is an appearance of mind. Now we take some of the appearances as being real, the earth, the world, but in fact, if you notice it, this thing, this reality, if it got cooked a certain way, it would molecularly change and it would take a different form. So obviously it's not inherently that form. It's just appearing that way. And I would say you and I are what's giving it that meaning. Not you and I like Deb and Paul, but you and I like mind. Yeah. So mind's dreaming this place, and we're giving everything the meaning it has, and it goes into degrees. Something's really form-based, and then it moves into very, very like ethereal, and, da, 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 and then back to this. So it's all different degrees, but none of them, and any step of the way, is inherently that. Yeah. It's not this form, that lost its essence and turn into other forms, it has no essence. It's the meaning mind's giving it. 
So there's this little activity in mind called a mental process I like to call selfing. Yeah? And the whole process is that it, the thoughts and, and uh, the interpretations of events here, as you being the doer, let's say, or actions as you being the doer, and as ownership and prior and privatization, all these ideas of there is a noun called you that's being imposed upon or can impose its will on places, yeah? This whole idea is an idea, yeah? And it has to be reinforced. And so what happens is the noun that's not a noun has to be reinforced, but how can it be reinforced if there is no noun? By a verb called selfing. So selfing is the mental verb that if the mind is listening to it in a sort of an ignorant or a lazy or an unconscious or a, un, a misinformed uh, manner, yeah, it will make the leap from, hey, what are you going to do today, thought system going on about you all day? You know, what should I do? What should I do? Yeah? There's always this you that's implied by everything that's said, or inferred, but you never really see the you. Only thing you can see in a mirror is a body. You never see you. I mean, because, yeah, have you ever seen a dead body that you used to know? I had a very strong hit when I was younger, when uh, this Uncle Fred died, and I was nine years old, and I'd known him since, you know, I was a kid. He was, I guess, one of my father's brothers or something. And he used to give me money at little parties and everything, so obviously I liked him, you know. He'd give me a couple bucks behind his back. Actually, a lot more, yeah, a couple bucks, and uh and then, uh, <laughs> then he passed away. So my mother took me to the funeral, and we was in a funeral home, and Catholic, and so they have a wake. And the casket's open, and she says, well, do you want to say goodbye to Uncle Fred? Which I really didn't want to say goodbye to Uncle Fred, but my mother dragged me up there. And as I looked into the casket, I had a very strong hit. That ain't Uncle Fred. Yeah. The body was exactly the body I used to see, but there was something missing. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with any missing body parts. All the body parts were there. So it wasn't Uncle Fred was the elbow or the, the way the smile was made. There was something that was missing. Yeah, I would say that's the awareness or consciousness. So in a way, without the awareness of consciousness, you would never call a body Fred or Mary or Sue. Without the animating principle allowing it to function here, you would never mistake it for being a body. Yeah? Without the consciousness moving through it, and if you see a body that once was alive that was talking to you and then is inert, it's very difficult to make the to to believe the take that that's Paul. You know, Paul left, and well, then why did he leave? He's still there. That's Paul. The body's here, but Paul left. How did he leave if he's right here? Yeah, something left in a sense. I don't say I don't believe anything left. I believe it's always there. It just left that form in a sense. Yeah. It's not driving that form. It's like a camera that was used for 70 years, and then you assumed it was the camera that was doing everything, and then the person that was using the camera put it down and left, and then you'd be looking at the camera thinking, oh, Steve, why aren't you taking pictures anymore? Steve, why aren't you coming over and calling me anymore? I really miss you, Steve. It would be funny in a way, but that's what we do, actually. We assume what's allowing the functioning of awareness to be what's aware. But if you saw the camera and there was no one using it, it would be you'd get it pretty quickly. You may have the assumption, hey, that's Steve, but after a while looking at it and stuff, and nothing's getting shot, and nothing, no lights are blinking, you realize it wasn't Steve. And when you realize or it isn't Steve, you would realize it wasn't Steve, 
And then you'll realize you're not Paul, and then you were Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And then what would happen? Well, find out. I would imagine it would translate into you traveling a lot like a light sea, a lot lighter like Steve and Paul. <laughs> you wouldn't be such a heavy Paul and a heavy Steve. Yeah? Because you wouldn't be taking on a responsibility that's not actually yours. Yeah? You wouldn't be assuming that you were the one that was seeing. So all your opinions about what you saw or who's seeing would lose their oomph. Yeah? The reason why you have so many opinions about what you're seeing and take them to be so important or who's seeing is because you think it's you. If it wasn't you, you would be released from all the ponderous meaning that all your fucking opinions try to present. Yeah? You would just say, okay, sure. You want to be right? Fine. It's great. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but no, it's hard to see that if you would get to the nub, it would. Af- if you got to the first knot, it would affect all the knots on the on, in the in the rope. Mm-hmm. Every knot in the rope couldn't hold their knotness without the first knots. Mm-hmm. Compliance. The first knot is it. If you let go of this first knot, that I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, it's bound to affect all the other knots because they're dependent on the first knot. Yeah. It's like. An assumption not seen as assumption makes this so, makes this more so, makes this even more so, makes this really so, so on and so forth. Yeah. Now you tr- and everything that's really so, what happens? It gets usually really heavy. Like that person is really the source of my happiness. You're probably going to try to take them hostage. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. It's not the source of my happiness. They're staying right near me. You know? <laughs> then of course the source would dry up because it wouldn't be open to your pail going into its well, so to speak. <laughs> but let's say so. The first knot. What's that first knot? Well, form taking itself to be the activity of no form in a way. Yeah. And then taking the qualities of no form and filtering it into a form. So seeing now means there's a seer. Hearing now means there's a hearer. Feeling means there's a feeler. And you know what happens? Then all the interest and attention, instead of on the incredible the sense of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, gets moved into what's been seen and the seer. Yeah? So all your attention, this is how you miss the moment, in a sense, because... The moment, there's an activity called subject-object going on, yeah? And then there's subjectivity, which is the moment. We, the mind doesn't want to put any attention on the subjectivity. It wants to put a lot of attention on the subject-object. Life's happening to me, and this is why I'm fucked, and so on and so forth, yeah? When that does that, it forget, it misses. It can't erase what's so, but it misses what's so. That's the best it can do. And it's so like people were talking at this recovery meeting I was the other day, and they were trying to talk about spiritual sustenance and this and that and that and this. It's more about mental abstinence, really. If you stopped eating all the bullshits that are being fed to you in the mind, you would you wouldn't need to eat spiritually. You'd be the source of spirituality. Yeah, you'd be full, and you would realize you were never not full. It wouldn't be, i got to get more. I keep, all my spiritual water keeps evaporating by circumstances and situations. That's so for all this, all that appears, but not what's appearing. 
What's appearing doesn't get added on to or subtracted from. It's always available at all times. Yes? So this is the thing. If I, if I try to take the non-form, like, and it's demonstration here, which is the awareness of, yes, feelings, thoughts, this and that. When I apply that, when my mind wants to take the qualities of non-form and then apply them to being a form, yeah, saying I'm the one who's seeing, I'm the one who's feeling, and then the form, now that this, this thing that's always available at all times now becomes an act that I'm doing, and either I'm doing it really well or not well at all, yeah? What happens? You get a huge distortion, don't you? And then we suffer living in this distortion, and we seek relief from the distortion, in the distortion, as the distortion, and by the distortion. How can you expect any long-lasting thing to to occur because nothing long-lasting can occur? All that can occur is what's always occurring. That's why it's a solution. It's a solution because it's available at all times. It's not a solution because you're so special that you found it. It's a solution that there's no need for specialness. It's always available at all times. It's so reliable that you won't even know you're relying on it. It's sort of like, I'm sure the fish doesn't know it's in water. I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure it sees things in the water, but it doesn't ever sense the incredible uh, hugeness of what it's in. I wouldn't even say what it's in, what it is. Yeah. That's what it's like for us. The lens is, is, has seemed like when you were younger, your lens was probably bigger, open, more open, I would say. I was, and I, when you see little babies, they seem to be, that's why you're so attracted to little kids sometimes, because they're awake. Because their mind hasn't entertained it could be anything else yet. The mind's getting ready, it's starting to formulate its story, and as soon as it's the selfing starts, it's going to change seemingly, but its inherent quality is that its lens is wide open. Yeah? So what happens when your lens is wide open? You see, don't you? When you see, what don't you need? Glasses. When you see, I was wondering why my work, painting, was getting worse, because I can't see what I'm doing anymore. I can't see a fine line. I'm missing a lot of stuff because I can't pick out... It's not, it's not HD anymore. <laughs> it's not high definition. It's very low definition with a story that I don't need glasses. <laughs> That's what's happening. So the low definition, instead of just responding and putting on a pair of glasses, I react with a story. Well, I don't need glasses, but I can't really see a line when I'm painting anymore. So when I go back, there's a lot of holidays. Like, how did I miss that? Because I can't see. Yeah? That's how I missed it. I don't have enough light. Yeah? So basically, I'm trying to do it by memory. I'm trying to paint by memory. And a lot of us are trying to live by memory. We're not seeing what's on offer, so it's, we, we're remembering what was once on offer and what we think should be on offer and what we've learned is on offer, but we really don't see what's on offer because we, the light's dim. Yeah? We're not able to see. So if you believe it's some, some power, some divine being is controlling the light, then you better get on your knees and pray to it. But if you realize that you are the light, that's a different story. Yeah? If you realize you are the light, and I don't believe, see, if I say I'm the light, I may be saying that as Paul, that ain't going to help me, because it's going to make me feel different than everyone I think that isn't seeming the light. You know, like a lady called me up one day and said, 
I realize I've been free from the ego, but it's everyone, everyone else's ego that's bothering them. That, that's not the case. Yeah? It's not like one ego goes and then every, all the other egos are there. You, it's all you. It's all you. <laughs> so for, for me to be free, you have to be free in a sense. Like the whole course of miracles is all about your, forgiving your brother and sister because you can't leave without them leaving. Because if you're all the same mind, yeah? So if you're holding out on, if you're withholding something from them, you're withholding something from you. Yeah? That's the dilemma. So when people are saying, <laughs> you know, he thinks he has it. <laughs> now he's strutting around and showing everything. <laughs> Look at the ball I got. <laughs> And some bigger dog will take it away, and then they'll suffer not having a ball. <laughs> so this idea, we're just entertaining a possibility. This is not like another thing like, we're going to try to sign you up and you're going to sell Tupperware next week, or anything like that. It's not a draft or a conscription. It's the last thing I want. You know, this is more like a mailman. I don't want you to come home and follow, follow me home. Just receive the message, yeah? And I don't, and it's not you having to say, oh, I got the message. By being here, you heard the message. The spiritual subpoena has been served, you know? There's no escape, because the ear is hearing it, and it's going into the head. You have very little to do with it. <laughs> You're not standing there going, all day, are you? <laughs> I'm going to hear this, but oh. We'll go any of that. You know what I mean? Whatever comes, whatever can be heard is being heard. Yeah? You may selectively forget and remember, but the brain isn't, yeah? And the brain is like the camera that's facilitating the mind. Yeah? So whatever can go through the camera gets back to mind. That's why Ramana, I believe, said, hey, if you heard this message, is like you're in the tiger's mouth, it's too late. Because you're done now. <laughs> There's no turning back. Yeah, there's no turning back. Just like when you drink, and uh, and you're drinking, and you're blissfully ignorant, and then you get a little uh, head of sobriety, it ruins your fucking drinking. You know, as soon as you hear that it doesn't have to be this way, it ruins it. Yeah, it really does. It sours the whole experience for people. They would be better off if they never heard about AA if they want to keep drinking. You know, because it bothers them. The same thing with this message. When you hear it. Basically, the jig is up in the low levels. You, know? you can't go with the story that I am fundamentally flawed and I'm going to have to work and purify myself to, to a point where I'm able, ready to receive this great gift. That's all about you, isn't it? This is like, hey, just exactly like you are right now because you're not really that relevant to the message, it's totally okay. <laughs> what? Yeah, you don't really have any say in the matter. I'm not going to get the message faster or slower. It has nothing to do with it. The message is not there to be got. It's there to be noticed. It's always there. Yeah? And if the mind has the curiosity to look into it, it's a done deal. If it doesn't, this will just be entertainment for you. It's a nice way to spend a Saturday when it's raining. Yeah? And you're not going to get charged much. So, shit. So it's always, if the, if the mind's leaning that way, there's no stopping it. It's, that's fucking simple. Like when I heard the message, I had read a couple of books. I was more into Buddhism in a way for years. First I was with a guru, and that sort of soured me with the whole 
guru devotee life. It wasn't. I could see it work for others, but it didn't work for me. I'm not a devotee type. So I got into Zen, of course, because that's where most people go after that, and Buddhism. And then I heard this message, and I just read a couple of books, and somehow someone out of the blue told me, hey, go see this lady in Marin. So I went to see her. And then someone at that meeting told me, go see this person. I went to see them. And then it just took its own little life, and in one moment it got to a point where it was like an unspoken yes. You know? And I can say confidently to this day that it was the last answer. That was the last one I heard how many years ago and then my mind has just been entertaining it ever since because there's nothing else to entertain in a way yeah and in entertaining it I learn about what I'm not and then in this seat assignment I can share about what I'm not and it may apply to what you're not I think it does and therefore we can start seeing that we're not that and that's what we are the seeing of what we're not yeah you are that which cannot be seen, but you are the seeing of what you're not. You are the hearer of what can't be heard. You know, you are that. Yeah. And then as the experience goes on, which it does here, you'll probably travel a lot later in this seeming form, in your seeming situations and circumstances. It doesn't say it's going to make heaven appear on earth, but you'll travel lighter over everything that appears. Yeah. Good times you'll be able to embrace, bad times you'll embrace, and you'll just keep going. Because in a sense, it's just like when you surf. I go, I go in the water. A half hour out after I'm out of the water, I can't, I'm not wet anymore, in a sense. Yeah? That memory can't, it's, 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 it's got its limitation. I can remember what it was like, but it's nothing like when it's, you're there because you weren't there when you were in the water. Yeah? For you to go back there, it's got to be remembered. Yeah? And that remembering it pictures you. So it's never like it was when you were in the water. So after a while, after about 50 examples of that, you don't go to that dry well anymore. And you're, instead of saying, oh, I really, that was really great, you're right here. Yeah? Or I hope it's really going to be great. No, that's bullshit. You're right here. And so you're like a kid again, where your mind's not entertaining. You could be anywhere else except where you are, and so you're here. And then the whole idea of being here seems a joke, because you can't be anywhere else. Yeah? And the whole idea of getting out of something you're not in becomes ludicrous. Yeah? Why would I want to work hard trying to get out of something I can't be in? Entertaining that idea I can't be in it is the best way to have the experience of being out of it. It's the best way. Because yeah? you have nothing to do with it. If you have something to do with getting out of what you think you're in, you'll be back in it. <laughs> I guarantee it. Because the idea of you goes this way and that. If you work hard and believe you achieve the state, you, you also can believe you can lose a state. Yeah? You don't want a state that you need to rely on to be able to be lost or gained. Yeah? If it's about losing and gaining, you're still the main player. Yeah? Because all the losing we based, I stopped doing what I used to do to have it, and when you have it, I did something that brought it about for myself. It's all you playing God. Yeah? How can you have a, a sense of God while you're playing God? You can't you can only have a God of your own making.
And then, you know, there's a thing in recovery called pause. And the pause becomes like the background of everything. Everything is like this. All this is chatter, but the pause is the real spoken word. It's the word, it's the forever word. Yeah, and you hear it silently, but it has an incredibly impressive influence. You don't see it, but you definitely intimate it. It's the sense of that presence, the presence of all allness and everywhere. You sense it. The mind can because it comes from mind. Yeah? And it can start formulating where you live after a while and where you go. Like your room can have that sense of presence because you're resting in that room and you're resting in the presence. So people who aren't familiar with it or are in a bad state, they can come in and they feel like an incredible sense of difference and it's just another room. But what's been abiding in that room is in mind resting in presence. So it has a juice. Yeah? It can be quite healing. It's a drag that you need a contrast of drama, drama and craziness to sense it, but you actually don't need that. You can sense it with no drama. After a while, you can just get into that incredible, uh, you know, it's sort of, it's like what's washing over every single moment we call a single moment is the moment, yeah? It's like washing over it. The mind's, mind likes to catch the light and the, and the, like the uh, fireworks of days and the particulars, but there's an underlying base or, or fabric or screen of reality that never changes. So after a while, you lose focus on days and hours and events, and they all sort of just come and go and, and, and lose their, their distinct colors, and they just blend into this one state of awareness. Yeah? That's always there. So you can get, your mind can get so intent to make something so real, and as it's doing it, it just starts losing its color. Because everything comes here to fade, you know? But what does it fade into, and where does it come from? Is that basis, is that stream, is that presence, that context of awareness? Yeah? So everything that appears goes back. It doesn't even go back. It just appears in it, and then it loses its color and fades, and thing, millions and millions of different impressions, yeah? But uh, it's sort of like, here's the screen or the canvas, and like hands behind the canvas push out and make different form, but it's always the canvas. It's just different like uh, impressions, but what's being impressed on and what's being doing the impressing is the same awareness, yeah? Millions and millions and millions of events, millions of thoughts and feelings and sensations, millions of millions upon millions of interactions here, millions of them, millions of little impressions, but none of them break through that canvas, yeah? None of them break through, they just make an impression, the impression changes, but the canvas is life, it's it. That's the painting that's allowing all this to happen, that's the background. To take your mind to be a body and to be, you know, making mountains out of molehills all day so that you can live in your own little private Idaho or seemingly, 
so that you can be a, in a, like a special somewhere gated community to keep out the everywhere while you're nobly entertaining you'd really love to go to the everywhere if you could but fuck you have no desire you really you want you want to want to be free but you don't want to be free it's too fucking scary to what you're identified as that thing is never going to let go you just lose interest in it St. Francis, I don't think, says it's in self-letting go. It said, he said, self-forget it. You forget the self. Don't, don't try to train the self into letting go. It's just going to grab onto something <laughs> very quickly. Yeah? But it's in self-forgetting that we're reborn. It's when you forget the self. And how can you forget the self? Or the idea of being a self. You can't forget the self because there isn't any. Yeah? Maybe it's better to look at what's causing you to remember it so much. And I would say what's causing me to remember it so much is because I have an interest in being that which I'm being, which is being remembered. My mind is into it. Yeah, it cherishes it in a weird way. It, if it it wants to be right, and if it, and if it has to appear to be wrong to be right, that's what it will do. It just has a love for that activity. Yeah. And so sometimes when you can get, when it can be convinced or where it becomes disillusioned by that, that, you know, all of this gathering is inherently empty, yeah? Every time I have more and better, it does, it lasts less and less time, yeah? That every time I try to fill myself, I feel more dissatisfied, yeah? This disillusionary thing isn't to get narcissistically bummed out, it's to open up to the fact that you see it as a failed system and that you become willing, hey, when to hear the message, hey, you don't need to therapize it anymore, you don't need to socialize it anymore, you don't need to civilize it anymore, you don't need to restrain it anymore, you just have to lose interest in it. And how did I lose interest in it and continue to lose interest in it is I see it's not me. All the chatter up there is not me. It's not about me. It's about a me, but it's not about what I am. It has nothing to do with what I am. It has all to do with what I'm not. And why would I want to be beholden to what I'm not? You know? In AA they say when you come in, you got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face. My dilemma was I thought my face was my ass. This is the point. Let's say your ass is a no-thingness ass. You're a spiritual ass. And then your face is a mental image. You can't be living to save your face seeking for the ass. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, Just get the anatomy correct. So in a simple way, each moment, and it's not like a challenge, just watch the head. And what the head's either doing, it's either dying as the self or to the self. Yeah? So when it's totally, a, when it's listening intently to the selfing, it's, take, it's already, it's, the product has already been produced. You have a feeling of being that which all that thinking is implying. Yes? That's dying as a self. You can't die as a self because that's the solution. Because you can't be a self, but that's why we call them dying as a self. Then the solution, in a way, is to die to the self, which is what? Forgetting it. How do you forget the self? Well, lose interest in the self-thing. How can you lose interest in the self-thing? Just entertain it's not about you. And I'll bet you you'll start losing interest in it, because it's boring as hell. Just like when someone else is running their self-thing to you, it's boring in about two minutes. Like, 
I cannot stand sitting there and listening for two hours people talking about the suffering, what's not happening is producing them. It's just, it's fucking unbelievable to me. Yeah? But I will sit for days in, in my room and listen to the same thing here, but it's held in a different way. It's about me. That's the bondage. It's not, it's not the trick of the, of the selfing. The selfing is very, very lazy and it's based on wild assumptions, yeah? It's easily seen through. It's that you don't want to see through it because you believe it's about you. Yeah? So either you'll die as that you that it's all about or you'll die to it. By what? By losing interest in it. Try to lose interest in it is having interest in it. But realizing you're not it, that's losing interest in it. You know what I mean? If you try to lose interest in self as a self, that's being bonded in self. But if you just lose interest in it because it's not about you, there you go. You'll travel lighter today. What a great, that's a good commercial. Today you can travel lighter. Right now. Buy these squeegees or these, what do they call those? Gloss that pick up water all the time. You know the cloths they use? They, they check the chain. What are they? Chamois. Chamois. Five, five chamois. I bet you you'll travel later today. Buy five CDs from Paul and you'll travel later. No, see, it's just an invitation. Let the mind have faith in mind. Just because a mental process has driven us to have an incredible fear in, in thought, and, and that, that thing we call mind, that's not mind. That's a mental process. Mind is what what to have faith in. That's when you start really following intuitive thoughts because there's no little but or trying to compare it to what you think you know. You just get the impulse and the but and then you proceed. And it works out every freaking time. Yes? So after a while, you don't have to go through the middle win. But I, I gotta be sure, I don't wanna lose my rent money. No, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just boom. Just follow it and see what happens. And what will happen is, you'll see what happens, and if that doesn't convince you, and then that, and what you're not seeing convinces you more, then you're totally in that obsession with something. Yeah? If what's not happening has more influence on you than what's happening, you're, you're addicted. The mind is addicted to being a self. That's it. Yeah. Really, if if the evidence keeps demonstrating itself now, and there's still a reluctance or a rebellious, defiant denial of it, then you're up the ass of self. Yeah. Then maybe you need a doctor. Really, pull you out of there. And when you pull out, there'll be a sound, a pop, and you'll be out the ass of self, and then you'll be here. That's the pause. I've seen people, I see minds, they do not have any place to land because what they call here is there. It's full of yesterday and tomorrow. They're constantly agitated, no place to rest. Because what they call here is just the receptacle for what's not happening about the past and what's not happening about the future. Their minds now are obsessed with there and then. So what they're calling here is the biggest driving force to get out of, and what they get out of, what they, they're leaving a mental here, and they're entering another mental state called there and then. They're like sort of lost in space. There's nowhere to land. They have nothing to rest on. There's nowhere to abide. Yeah? And the anxiety is just... You can mention something that has nothing to do with them, and in like one-eighth of a second it pertains to them. It's just mind-boggling. 
to watch the mind do it. You try, all right, let's have a problem based on Mars, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I watch her head, and in half a second it pertains to her. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. I'm driving, I always go like this, and she'd just be gone. <laughs> I go, oh, she'd come back, and then second later she's gone again. I mean, because she had nowhere to land. Because the here that she thought she was in was a mental here. Yeah? Had no substance, nothing to ground it, like seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. All the ground she had was thinking, which is like living on a fucking, like a saran wrapped floor. <laughs> you look, it looks solid, but you're going to go through it like that. Once the mind sees this and rests there, it will know in and of itself. It doesn't need anyone to tell it. You'll be assured from your own evidence, from your own gut, you'll have, you'll know it. And you'll start relying on it. And therefore, it will demonstrate. Just like Jesus says, a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit, and a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. You'll be able to at least intimate the tree by the fruit. If you start traveling lighter for years and years and years, you're onto something. Yeah? Yeah, any questions there? No? I want a better self. Well, just go to go to Pilates, start working out. <laughs> go to a, go to the gap, get some new clothes. Go to the plastic surgeon. Yeah. And if enough people say you look better, then you'll have a better self. But you'll never really believe it, will you? <laughs> How many people stop plastic surgery and stop? I think it's another addiction. Yeah? Mm-hmm. They have one, and then they have another, and they move from the face to the ass and to the elbows, too much thing coming in, and hands, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Everything, every addiction is just a, a, a pale reflection of the original addiction, which is the mind's addiction to being a self. Every other addiction spawns from there. Yeah? Because that can never be satisfied. No addiction will ever bring complete satisfaction. It can't. Because it's trying to get relief from this addiction that can never be fulfilled. The mind can never be a self. It cannot forget, and it cannot dismiss its nature and become a total different nature. It cannot dismiss nothingness and become a mental thing. It just can't do it. If it could, it would have a long time ago. And there'd be no, tr- it, it, it wouldn't be trying to convince you anymore. You'd be living as that completely. Yeah? But it can't fulfill the mission. And so that desire goes unfulfilled and spawns all the other addictions to try to fulfill the whole that that one seems to be. Yeah? That's why it always fails. You have to get, no, 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 if you have to, but if you want to stop the, 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 uh, that loop of addictions, you've got to get to the one that's actually the cause of it all. What's the driving force for all the others to appear? Yeah? I would say it's the mental, it's the mind's addiction to the idea of being a self. When that's addressed, then the other directions, like I have an experience in recovery, once that started getting addressed, I have never thought or f- about getting loaded ever again for years. Not one thought ever has come into my head. 
So it's, it's not, I don't even have to do anything to say no to it. It never even shows up. That's like an incredibly good solution, yeah? And it's been lasting for like about 15, 16, 18 years, 20 years maybe, yeah? Now that's something to rely on, yeah? A solution that causes the problem not to seem to exist, that's a damn good solution, yes? And the only way a problem can can seem not to... The only time a problem can not to exist is because it never existed to begin with, yeah? It never existed to begin with. Yeah. It appeared to. That's the whole solution here. The whole solution to this whole place is it's appearing to, or it's seemingly so. It's based on it's appearing to be true or false to you. That's the whole place. The whole dream of this world is it's appearing to be so to us. Yeah? Therefore, it doesn't need to appear to be so to us. It just seems to be appearing so now. So if the mind changes, everything will change. Yeah. If you try to change everything and not the mind, it just morphs into the same old, same old. Yeah. So I don't know, I found it to 